0: I'm stressed, I'm depressed, I'm shittily dressed, I'm Terry, and this is Terrifying. Warning, this podcast will discuss graphic material. This is the story of the boy in the box, America's unknown child, a mysterious case that to this day is still unsolved. On February 25, 1957, in Fox Chase, Philadelphia, the body of a small boy was found in a cardboard box. The cardboard box was one of a bassinet that was only sold at J.C. Penney's. The J.C. Penney in Upper Darby sold twelve of them. Only one of them could not be traced. Before the authorities were notified, the body was actually found by two people. The first boy was checking his muskrat traps, and he didn't notify the police until days later, after the story came out, that he had stumbled upon the body while checking his muskrat traps. He was afraid that his muskrat traps were going to get taken away by police if he called. The second person, his name is Frederick Benosis. He found the body and called police 24 hours later. His original story was that while he was driving by the woods, he spotted a rabbit going into the underbrush, and he became concerned for it since there were traps around. When he was following the rabbit, he found the body. He called the police 24 hours later. That story sounds a little suspicious. Well, it turns out that he was actually in that area in hopes to spy on a girl from a nearby school. Whenever he was questioned, he passed a polygraph and was ruled out as a suspect. The boy in the box was said to be around three to seven years old. His time of death is unknown, but it's said to be anywhere from two to three days to two to three weeks. On his body, he had several scars. He had an L-shaped scar under his chin and the other ones seemed to be surgical scars. They were located on his ankle and around his groin area. They put a UV light on the body, and his eye showed that it had blue dye in it. That showed that he had a chronic eye ailment. His hair was crudely chopped. It was said to be cut either right before or right after his death. Clumps of hair were still clinging to him. He seemed to be malnourished, with bruises all over his body. He was said to have light blue eyes, and his nails were neatly trimmed. His eyebrows were also said to be styled very femininely. It's also said that he did not eat two to three hours before his death, but there was a brown liquid found in his throat that was said to be vomit. One hand and both of his feet were also pruned up like they had been in water right before his death. On February 26, 1957, the discovery of the body led to an investigation They were optimistic that it was going to end soon, but shortly after, the optimism faded. The story received widespread attention in the Philadelphia and Delaware Valley. The Philadelphia Inquirer even sent out 400,000 flyers with the boy's likeness on it. They even created a bust of what the boy's father might look like, but still no leads were found. The police searched the crime scene thoroughly and repeatedly. They searched it with 270 academy recruits. The only things found at the crime scene were a small child's blue corduroy cap, a child's scarf, and a men's white handkerchief with a monogram G in the corner. They even went to the extreme circumstances and took a postpartum picture of the boy. They dressed him up. They put him in a sitting position, and they took a picture, hoping it would create new leads that somebody would recognize this child, but sadly, it still didn't work. On March twenty-first, two 2016, the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children released a facial reconstruction of the boy. They added him to their database. The boy's body was also exhumed in 1998. Mitochondrial DNA was extracted from his tooth on November 11th, 1998. He was then reburied and a website was launched to keep his memory alive. The website is americasunknownchild.net. So now, let's talk about some theories. The first theory that you usually stumble upon is the foster home theory. There was a foster home a mile and a half away from where the body was found. Remington Bristow, who pursued bringing closure to the case, went to a psychic who told him to look for a house that looked like the foster home. When he started looking at the foster home, he found some things that were similar with the case. He attended an estate sale and he found a bassinet that looked like one from the box. He also saw blankets hanging from clotheslines that were similar to the blankets that were wrapped around the body. Another theory is that he belonged to the man, Arthur Nicoletti, and his stepdaughter who ran the home. Bristow elaborated further and he figured that they got rid of the boy because they didn't want an illegitimate child. 38 years later, a police lieutenant named Tom Augustine was put in charge of the case. He did interviews with the stepfather and the stepdaughter who have since been married. And they were rolled out after the boy and the stepdaughter's DNA did not match. The next theory that we're going to talk about is the theory of the mysterious M. In February 2002, a woman came forward only known as M. She said that her mother had purchased the boy and she had subjected him to severe physical and sexual abuse. She said that this abuse continued for almost three years. She also said the boy's name was Jonathan and he suffered a handicap that made him not able to speak. M said that one night the boy threw up after eating dinner and his punishment for that was a severe beating. Following the beating, the boy was supposedly bathed and during that bath is when he died. The story seemed to match since the boy had pruny feet and a hand and this cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head. M even went on to say that her mother chopped off all the boy's hair because it was distinctive and she was trying to conceal the boy's identity. Em also later stated that her mother forced her to help get rid of the body. They were interrupted by a passing male motorist who asked them if they needed help. The mother said that they didn't need help, and she convinced the man that they were fine, and eventually the man drove off. This aspect of Em's claim was backed up by a then-confidential informant, a male motorist, Back in 1957, he said that the box that the boy had been found in had been discarded earlier that day. Despite the plausibility and the claims that M gave, the police were unable to verify that they were accurate. The neighbors who knew her said that there wasn't any children living with her at the time. She was also said to have mental illnesses that would make it hard for them to believe her story. The third theory that we're going to talk about is living as a girl. The third theory was brought up during investigation by a forensic artist named Frank Bender. He said that someone was raising the boy as a girl before his death. This theory would explain the neatly trimmed nails, femininely styled eyebrows, and his crude haircut. Now that we've talked about the theories, I'm gonna talk about his burial. Originally, the boy was buried in Potter's Field, but as I said earlier, his body was exhumed in 1998 to get DNA out of his tooth. On November 11, 1998, he was reburied at Ivy Hill Cemetery in Cedar Brook, Philadelphia. The son of the man who originally donated all the necessities for the first burial did the same for the second. Residents still leave flowers and toys at the boy's tombstone that reads, America's Unknown Child. This case was covered by media many times, including being featured on America's Most Wanted twice. It's also been used as inspiration on hit TV shows such as CSI, Law & Order SVU, and Cold Case. Today, his case is still unsolved. Will we ever know who this boy was? We can hope. Well, you can now follow me at terrifying underscore podcast on Instagram. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you keep listening. Stick around for more episodes because this is going to be terrifying.